0: Today is International Youth Day. However, millions of young people in South Africa are challenged by both unemployment and poverty. The ailing economy and the rising cost of living continues to be a major concern. Some some experts are warning the country is at risk of becoming a failed state. The latest crime stats paint a grim picture. The backdrop is a continuing theme of corruption, enrolling blackouts, water shortages, a shaky healthcare system, well, and myriad other state failures. Others say system. this is the cost so, of so, corruption and negligent leadership. We are
1: Zungula is the leader and founder of the African Transformation Movement. As well as being the youngest party leader in parliament the party contested its first national elections in 2019 gaining two seats in parliament and its first municipal elections in 2021 getting 53 seats across the country with a vote share that more than was more than doubled from the national elections the party was founded with a strong emphasis on christian values and they're focused largely on expounding the importance of shared cultural and moral values as the guides for South African politics. I am excited to be able to talk to Mr. Zungula today about what his party is bringing to the table for 2024. Hello, Mr. Zungula, how are you doing? I'm all right to know you. I'm doing very well, thanks. So, Mr. Zungula, where did you grow
0: up? <laughs> I grew up uh, in which mm-hmm. it is a small town, 100 kilometres between Tata and Island and that's in the eastern Cape mm-hmm. And um, when did your interest in politics start? I think naturally you are interested in the affairs of your community, of your township, of your schooling. The, um, the vast difference is that other people are not formally in politics, meaning they are not formally part of political parties. Mm-hmm but they are part of issues um, concerning how, um, you know, they get to live in their communities. I'll recall young, when I was young, back in the day, we had an issue with water mm-hmm. um, and one of the other older gentlemen in the township was like, no, let's much to the um, municipality for water, so we marched as young as we were. And there was also an issues of crime whereby there were no street lamps, Um, uh, installed in our section of the township which made it heavily dangerous to walk at night because there was no proper lighting so formally I was not part of a political party but when it comes to the affairs of the community I've always been it's only in the formation of the ATM that I formally became part of a political party Mm. simply because the nature in which politics are approaching our country people take politics as, a, as an access to resources uh, about a battle of power, they do not approach politics in the manner of working together in the best benefit of the people. So I've always found it, um, you know, I was not keen to be part of such an environment because the, man, the manner in which people kill one another, they
1: destroy each other, I did not want to be part of that. And so, why did you decide to found the, the African Transformation Movement? And how did you found it?
0: Actually, the party was founded by a council of Messianic churches. Mm. The Messianic churches are the churches that are um, African indigenous churches. Those are the churches that um, understand God in the context of who we are as indigenous Africans. Mm. So this party is a view that They are not included in the decision-making of the country, whereas they have a lot of members. I'll talk about one. TCC has got close to 6.8 million members in the country. Mm. But however, when it comes to decision-making, there's no consultation. Mm -hmm. So these churches got together. They formed this Council of Masonic Churches. From the Masonic Churches, an idea was born that let there be a political party that will represent the interest of um, the, the, the Messianic churches at first, and later on through the consultation with the royal houses and community organizations, the view was that um, the country does not need another Christian party. It just needs a party that is um, interested in the affairs of the people, not confined to one se- certain constituency. So um, how I got involved, the, the council leaders asked me to do the registration, draw up some of the documents at first, and then from there the role grew
1: up until I was appointed to be president. Okay, and so I I want to ask, there was a lot of controversy surrounding your find, uh, founding, especially in the media, and I think it's important to ask, um, especially given the amount of stories that have been written about the ATM, and, where some of the support might lie. Did the ATM receive any money or support from the Guptas or Jacob Zuma in his founding? And if not, why has there been such a stir in the media around this point? The ATM did not receive a cent from either Mr.
0: Zuma, the Guptas, Ishma Khashula, or anyone from the ANC. The ATM, um, look, the churches themselves, they are used to fundraising for their own activities. Mm. Um, I remember when the party needed to be registered, I personally paid for the registration fee um, um, for it to be registered with the IEC. When the party had to register for the national elections, the party went to the churches and requested members of those churches to donate. From those donations, we were able to register for the elections, get funding um, for, um, um, for the campaign material, etc. So, the issue with our politics in our country is that whenever a party comes up, they'll always try to smear that party to create a bad perception about that party. Unfortunately for us, we're not coming from a background whereby it's people leaving one party to form another party. This is the first political party I'm part of. Mm. So you can't say I was corrupt as a mayor or a minister. You can't say, you know, uh, I did something wrong in leadership because this is the first time Have been in public leadership, so um, that's what they did, um, which is baseless allegations which have not been founded. We'll recall that ATM was formed in 2018. We are now in 2022 towards the end. Now you can't. There's no even one single Mm. form of evidence that a media house can say you were founded by the funded by the gutters. Here's the proof. It's Mm -hmm. only wild allegations, and that is what is unfortunate with our media. They, have, they hold so much power in the sense that they can destroy your credibility and because we are powerless we do not have the money to challenge them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the fight is not worth it. And even if a person goes to the press ombuds, um, you know, the retraction of a story is just a small retraction in the third or fourth page whereas the headline which was on the front page was the one that killed you. So that is what is wrong with the men in which the media operates. The, the media is too powerful, hence it is
1: um, destroying people's reputations in our country. And why has the media given some, the African Transformation Movement such a hard time then? Um, if you can check how the country is somewhat um, structured,
0: you find that the people that have a dominant interest in, um, dominant position in the economy, they own the media houses, they own and, um, you know, retail um, companies, so they, in, they own the economy, basically. Now, when the ATM came out, and we came out with one main principle, that we do not want to be funded like other political parties, because when you are funded like other political parties, you remain captured, you remain, or you serve, or you operate as a party at the behest of your funder. If, for example, you are funded by someone who's got interest in banks, there's no way in which you can advocate for a state bank if you are funded by a person that is owning large share in the industries of our country there's no way you will advocate for the transformation of the economy right. so we saw that majority of the parties are actually funded by the very same people and when they get into parliament they do not advocate and push for transformed legislation and um, they just um, you know enjoy being members of parliament. So we said we are genuine in wanting to make changes in our country and for that to happen let us not make the mistake
1: made by other parties by being in the pockets of funders. And so I want to move us then on to um, what the ATM then stands for and one of the distinguishing characteristics of the ATM is that you wear your Christian values very much on your sleeve uh, we've talked about um, being, you being founded by the Messianic Churches. Um, and So I wonder what is the relationship between your political beliefs and your religious values? What we view as the ATM is that there's a, there's a set of values
0: that we need ever, as a country. If South Africa can work on the human element, and the human element is largely dependent on the values that um, that particular human subscribes to, now these values, they are not Christian or they are not confined to Christianity. And there are even atheists in our organizations who do not believe there is a God. There are people who believe, um, you know, um, there are people from the Muslim faith who are also part of the organization because of the strong um, focus on the values. The values that we're talking about, that there must be peace, meaning whatever that we do in our country, let us solve everything via peaceful methods. You'll find that majority of the time, There are protests, they turn deadly, there's fights within the leadership, they're posing one another because there's an absence of peace. We talk about Ubuntu, which is a basic human tenet that you are a person because of other people. We're saying there must be transformation because we can't operate in the same way in which we've been operating in terms of how the economy is structured. We're saying let there be servant leadership, meaning everyone who occupies public office must know as a value within him that is there to serve the people, mm-hmm. and lastly, we're saying, let there be accountability. Once you occupy public office, you must have a veil of accountability that way you won't find yourself abusing state power because there's no one keeping you uh, accountable. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that all of those values, these, you know out of these values. Um, there are people who do not even believe that there is a God, but who believe in these values. So we're saying these are the guiding values in which if we as a country, both from the citizens and
1: the leaders we could abide to, the country could be a better place. But your focus mainly is um, then on instilling these values into all of the individuals, as opposed to saying that we're going to take it from the top down. So you, you would say that the party is advocating that the individual abides by these values and then that's how we move and change the country. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah,
0: that's correct, because we believe that there needs to be transformation in the people, in the citizens, because mm-hmm. if you check, for example, the issue of violence, it's not government that is killing people. It is people in their respective communities that are killing one another, that are raping one another. However, if people had the, 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 the value of peace they would not need or they would not find it in them to kill other people. Mm-hmm. If there was Ubuntu you find that the public officials would not be corrupt because they would understand that um, you know what the resources they have, they, are, they must exercise caution in terms of managing those resources because those resources are for the benefit of the population. That is what Ubuntu says. Mm-hmm. So what we are saying is that the entire population from the citizens and the leadership, these values, if each and every citizen would have these values, the country, indeed, would be much better.
1: And so, <coughs> what um, then are, does uh, the ATMC see as the major problems that need to be dealt with immediately in this country, kind of the big, large-scale problems that we're facing? I could say the nature of the problems, um, you know, the country
0: is in a crisis but critically, for the leadership crisis because you know you talk about countries where by for example there's a crisis of infrastructure but because they do not have a leadership crisis leadership is able to lead the country and deal with that infrastructure problem mm-hmm. however in our country we find that our problem persists if it's not load shedding it is the lawlessness hence you find that people are getting raped and killed if it's not that socio economic problems social problems that is why you're going to have 21 young kids dying in a tavern in the Eastern Cape. If it's not that, it's going to be issues of um, um, the infrastructure. That is why you're going to be having um, a truck um, you know, um, killing more than 21 kids in KZN. So at the core of the problems, it is the leadership problem. And we believe that if you've got leaders that are genuine about solving the problems, leaders that are independent, leaders that are not in the pockets of the wealthy and powerful in our country who fund them. Because as Thomas Sankara said, whoever funds you controls you. So you find that majority of the leaders in our country, they are not really leaders because they are put in those positions by people who fund them. And when they are there, they use their positions to actually satisfy the people that fund them. So we believe that critically, let us solve the leadership Crisis that we have in the country. Once we solve that, then the economic, social, um, and crime problems will be dealt with because we've got leaders that do have the interest, are genuine, and have the political will. I'm sure you recognize that majority of the times the issue of political will always comes up that there's no political will to do one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Now, if we do not solve the leadership problem, Political will will not be there, you know, because there will be no will to solve the problems
1: that we have in our country. And so how does the ATM then go about uh, instilling the necessary values that are required to be good leaders in uh, in the members that you want to put forward?
0: I think the first thing that we've done as the ATM was to lead by example. Because politics in our country, um, you know, there's a lot of political rhetoric, There's a lot of, um, you know, um, acts that people need to make, um, you know, for them to be effective as political leaders. So we go to Parliament um, without having the experience of being former members of Parliament. But in the period we've been in Parliament, we've been able to make an impact. And this impact that we've made, we've made the impact without degenerating, without um, cursing, without utilizing the same manner of political rhetoric and antics that are used by other political parties. We've stayed on the principle that let us identify what the problem is, talk about what the consequences are as a result of the problem, but most importantly, offer the solutions. So in the past years we've been in Parliament, especially when we interact with people either on social media or in the streets, they always say, Whenever that we listen to you ATM, we always have a sense of the solutions that we're putting forward. Mm-hmm. So we're not just a party that is out there to, to bash or criticize, but we're a party that is offering solutions to all of the problems that we face as a country. Mm-hmm.
1: So then I would like to talk about maybe some of the solutions that uh, the ATM will be offering um, in 2024. And to kind of focus on more specific issues. So I think you pointed out that we have a big problem, as you said, with lawlessness and with crime in this country. What is the ATM's ideal solution to the problem of crime in the country? Okay, I think with crime, um, most importantly,
0: you need to pay the police better. Mm. Secondly, you need to make sure that there's enough capacity in the police force Meaning, you need to reduce the political appointments or the politics that have engulfed the police um, structure in our country. You need to give um, confidence to the police because majority of the police, when you engage them, they say the laws of the country they are, uh, um, you know, they are more inclined towards the perpetrator. Mm. In the sense that if you you go out as a policeman you're not allowed to draw your gun or actually shoot at someone unless they start shooting first. Meaning, you know, a thug can point a gun at you and you must wait that they must shoot and hopefully miss. Only then you can take out your gun and shoot them back. So that is what is contributing to the lawlessness, you know. We need to deal with the corruption in the police system because you find that there are dockers that go missing. There are police um, officials that are in the pockets of the either drug dealers, human traffickers or zamazamas, or gangsters, you know, all of these criminal elements or networks in our country. So that is what we think in the immediate can make a tangible improvement in the police. And you need to get the the community policing forums as well Mm. being remunerated because in many areas um, the police are no longer having any form of trust because of the corruption element. Mm. People now trust more the Co- uh, community policing forums, but they're not remunerated, they are not trained, they're not given any form of support. So, we believe that when you support the community policing forums, because they are the ones who are living in those communities all the time, whereas a police station is sometimes very far, you know. So, we believe that
1: in those um, avenues, we could do better as a country. And um, one of the things that I've seen is that you were also in favour of the return of the death penalty for serious offences. So where, where, where would you see and how would you see the death penalty helping us uh, in dealing with the serious issue of crime?
0: Yeah, we believe that there must be an introduction of a justice-based capital punishment system mm. um, whereby if a person goes or commits certain levels of crime, that must warrant that he must also lose the right to his own life we think that firstly criminals have got so much right in the country and the justice system is concerned about the lives of people who've got no regard for other lives and we believe that it is unfair that for example let us say yourself you are married, you've got kids, someone comes rapes your children, kills your your partner and then after you are expected as a taxpayer to feed that person, because with your taxes you pay a certain portion goes towards the correction services. and the correction services, they provide meals for this person, they provide um, shelter for this, they even provide education for this person. You, the victim, is paying, um, you know, for the livelihood of the person who brought you um, high levels of pain by killing your loved ones. We believe that with a justice-based capital punishment system, when it's justice-based, it means it is not like in the past whereby it was used for political reasons. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, it is something whereby when you know, when when the crime, it is so um, gross, so much effect that there is no other way. For example, you will recall that there's been a time whereby 21 people were shot and killed in one sitting. There are serial killers who kill, who rape and kill more than 20 women, you know. So such crimes, in our view, they need to be warranted. They need to be met with the strongest um, punishment
1: possible, which is uh, the death penalty. And would you say that, though that it's also important um, to generally make sure that repeat offenders are not allowed... Um, to continue and to be given the same kind of free passes that they've been given in the past? Like, for example, in the Cape Flats, there's numerous cases of gang members being in prison for a while, coming out, moving back into a neighborhood, and then committing the same crime. So is it about a general kind of overhaul with a focus on removing the uh, incredibly damaging criminal elements is that what you say the, the whole policy agenda is about? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, the reports are there, um, especially in the
0: last year or so, that majority of the crimes are actually committed by repeat offenders. Mm. Um, I remember in the few weeks there was a lot of outcry in social media that a person who was out on rape, um, you know, actually went to rape and further kill again. So we've got an issue whereby these repeat offenders are allowed um, to live in communities where they pose a danger to innocent people. So those people must be protected by the government from these repeat offenders. Um, so there must be a strong element in our country whereby crimes, you know, the, 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 the time that a person stays in prison, it must fit the crime that is committed. And secondly, if you commit a high degree of crimes, you must be met with the death penalty. So, the outlook of what our policy is saying is that let us go, let us be very, very hard towards crime and criminals. Criminals cannot be given a free pass in our society because the people bred the brand of such criminal um, the criminal's activities,
1: it is innocent people, particularly women and children. So then let's move on um, to another massive problem that we have um, in this country, which is unemployment and uh, a lagging state of growth in the, in the country. Um, and I'm wondering, what is the ATM's plan um, to kickstart growth in the country and to reduce the amount of unemployment? Um, I would say maybe in two things. For us to
0: have growth in the country, the investment in our country needs to go towards um, production activities. You find that majority of the time, investments are in malls, they are in consumer activities, but less of production activities. Mm. Most of the products that we have in our country are basically imports. Mm. Our industries, our factories have died um, and as a result there is a high level of unemployment there's low level of growth because we are not a country that is producing we're a country that is just taking um, you know, utilizing products that are made in other countries meaning our economy gets to be drained so we need to focus at a broader level on producing activities, production activities. Secondly we need to deal and dismantle the oligopolies that are controlling the country. If you can go to the network um cell phone network industry you find that there's, there's a big four big five that is controlling more than 90% of the market share similar thing with the banks similar thing with the construction industries so in order to stimulate the economy you need as a government to actually um, you know create conducive um you know mechanisms for um for for new players new entrants because the more players that we have in any industry what's going to happen is that the prices will be reduced, there'll be more competition, and the economy will be stimulated, and jobs will be created. Mm. And lastly, on the issue of the unemployment, we are saying that because the country is divided between, or has got a mixture of the formal and informal economy, we need to utilize also the informal economy as a means of reducing the the, uh, the, the, the unemployment, instead of just focusing on the formal methods. All over the continent, there is a strong element that is focusing on the artisans, the merchant economy, the informal economy, as a means of reducing unemployment. Whereas in our country, all talks regarding the unemployment and the economy are confined to the formal sector, and we are ignoring a sector that is um, that offers more than 400 billion per annum. So we are saying, transform that sector Utilize that sector to employ people, and most importantly, make sure that we have we have we have a, an aggressive local production campaign, whereby we do not just import even toothpicks or soaps, but there must be um, you know a list of products that must be produced locally in the country. That way, you create jobs, and most importantly, you make the economy to circulate amongst the different communities or regions in our country and the country uh, at a broader sense, instead of our economy or our
1: currency being drained to other countries. And does the ATM think, though, that uh, there are, is a problem with the way that labor regulations the labor laws are set up? Do you think that that stifles growth in the country as well?
0: No, not at all. In fact, we've got a progressive labor regime in our country. Mm. However, the biggest problem is that the laws are not being enforced for example the minimum wage the minimum wage you go to some of the farms you go to some of the establishments and people are not paid in accordance to the minimum wage and the government is not aggressive in enforcing those laws and as a result when a po- when something fails it's very difficult for people to say it is because of the labor laws because the labor um, legislation in our country is not being enforced to the t I would understand if the, the enforcement of the laws was not a problem. And as a result, we could say maybe the reason why there is a lack of growth it is because companies are not employing enough people because they are confined by the legislation. However, in our case, you find companies, they will short-pay people, they will deliberately sideline the employment of locals because they want to employ other people from other countries and pay them slave wages. Or they want to take advantage by pl- by employing people um, who do not know their rights. So that is what I think is problem is a, is a major problem. It is a lack of the enforcement of the existing legislation.
1: And so, you mentioned that um, you want to to have a, a pr- product based economy and a production based economy. And one of the crucial aspects that would be needed to that is to be able is that the country was easily connected all of the different parts so that you could have toothpicks produced in one town and shipped around the country to use your example and so how um, will the ATM provide adequate public infrastructure so that a production economy and a a locally based economy um, can function in the country
0: We as the ATM we've observed that the infrastructure when it comes to the production site is -hmm. there already. If you are to go to Kwa a town in the um, Free State, you still have those old factories that are not being utilized. If you go to Hammerskrab, there's also factories. If you go to Pretoria North, the factories are there. Go to Butterworth, the factories, which is the infrastructure, they are there. Some of the equipment is also there. The only thing that's missing, it is the political will to make sure that indeed those factories work, they create jobs for the locals, and there's more products in our country that are produced locally. Mm -hmm. When it comes to moving um, goods around, we believe that um, the country needs to be very, very tough on people who vandalize our public infrastructure, especially the rail system, Mm -hmm. because we know that the rail system in our country is basically, that steel is actually mined um, after being mined by people who come, vandalize our railways, it ends up in China, it ends up in Europe, it ends up in America. No, Now, the reason why that is allowed to happen, it is because there are people, or politicians, that are benefiting from a dysfunctional railway system. Whereas back in the day, firstly, for traveling purposes, people used to pay four or five rands to travel from one point to another using a train now they need to use a taxi and a taxi will cost more than 10 or, or 20 rands mm-hmm. which is going to which kills um, you know people people's ability to to commute between two areas mm-hmm. and also with the trucks that are now in the road we've seen the amount of accidents that are happening on our roads because of these trucks whereas the goods that are transported by these trucks should have been transported by the rail um, system so we believe that Firstly, even with the rail, it's just a matter of ensuring that let the rails be protected and let there be very, very harsh punishments for everyone who's going to, um, you know, distract our rails. And that is the best way in which we could utilize, um, you know, we could
1: make sure that the goods are able to move around swiftly in our country. And then the last um, aspect kind of that we should touch on, talking about how to kickstart growth in the country, is education, which is another area that is particularly dismal in South Africa, in terms of the outcomes. Um, and so what is the ATM's plan to improve the state of the education system in the country? The outlook of education is that, at, at the vision
0: perspective, the education in our country must produce job creators. it must produce entrepreneurs, it must produce people who are able to make a living for themselves. Instead of producing people, after graduating, they will have to wait up until they get to be offered a job. So that is what at the crux of our thinking is that the nature in which the education is done, it must, have an, it must be focused on producing that type of equality. Mm. secondly it must be an education that is skill based Um, we must not have an education that is highly theoretical and it does not take into account the present day challenges the present day requirements of the economy because the economy is no longer needing the same skills that we were needing in the past therefore it becomes important that the education must answer the problems of the economy uh, of the economy in 2022 and also looking at the future instead of, um, you know, answering questions based on what was required in 1999 or 2000. And lastly, our education needs, um, you know, proper funding whereby the the quality of education between um, what the rich and the wealthy get to be exposed to versus the poor, there's a very, very um, big gap and you find that if, even if you are an average student, if you go to um, the rich schools, you are going to be well off. But even if you are an excellent student, if you go to public schools, chances are you are not going to be well off because there's a problem of infrastructure, there's a problem of exposure by the students, and there's a lack of support for the students to know the, what they are good in. Because you find that majority of the students that actually doing things, you know, they are studying because they just want to have a degree or a diploma. It's not because there is a link or a proper, um, you know, system whereby your capabilities are linked to what you can do. Because now, it's not, it's not really about the capabilities of the student. It is just about, let us try and get as many people to pass matric, let's try and get as many people to have diplomas. But you find that these people, these students, are depressed. They are stressed because this, they are doing things that
1: they do not necessarily love. And talking about uh, uh, the link to this um, and uh, the way in the production-based economy, are you in favour of something like bringing back a trade school system or an, an apprenticeship system into so that we could have a much more sophisticated blue-collar education system? Indeed, look in our country we've got TVED
0: colleges. Mm. TVED colleges in our view if you go there and you study plumbing now the basic or the least the government can do firstly is to give you tools of trade so that immediately you come there with that certificate of being a plumber Mm. you know you don't have to go and apply um, to a certain company to do their plumbing services but with tools of trade in around your community you could be able to, you know, to to, to be an entrepreneur and make a living, you know, on your own. And we've got students, okay, you've got a problem in our country by, we have all of these gadgets, your cell phones, your laptop, etc. but who is fixing, you know, when my phone screen is not longer working, when my laptop is no longer working? Mm -hmm. You find, and at the same time, we've got a lot of students that have studied either IT, Um, in our institutions or TV colleges, but there is no network or mechanisms that are created by government to make sure that all of these skills, they get to be deposited to the economy or to the market so that um, Firstly, the market can enjoy these services from our students, but at the same time the students can enjoy the benefit of having access to market and making a living on their own mm-hmm. so what we are trying to say is ATM is that the skills are there the TV colleges are there they will just need to have support and they will just need the, the, the government to influence the people the students so that you don't have a student that wants to be a CA you find that they do not have the capabilities and um, to be a CA but when it comes to one of the trade skills, they are excellent there. Or other students, because they are, they are average when it comes to maths and science, they think not they are, they are done with school. Whereas, if they had taken this route of being going to these trade schools, they would be able to make a living. So, we must just make it, um, create incentives for students to go to these schools, and after that, provide the necessary support so that they do not need to be employed for them to utilize their skills. They must be able to utilize their skills and capabilities on their own without being um, confined to a job.
1: And so the last um, problem that I want to talk about in terms of the ATM's plan is uh, probably the biggest one in this country, I some would argue, is uh, what is the ATM's plan to deal with the issue of systemic corruption in the country? Um, like I stated earlier,
0: you know to deal with corruption it's very you'll find it difficult to deal with corruption number one if you do not deal with the human element because regardless of how many systems you could have if a human being is inherently corrupt he will always try to find a way to be corrupt However, if the mind of the leaders is there that he must not be corrupt because when you are corrupt You are actually stealing from the poor. Then you are going to have leaders with conscience Leaders that will actually respect the public purse Respect their office and they will not use it for their own selfish interests. That is the first element. The second element is that you need um, You know to deal with the companies because we find that corruption is facilitated by companies you recall that even in the State Capture Commission of Inquiry, some of the leaders—one there's a deputy minister um, um, in the presidency, responsible for state security—he mm. was given money by EOH, you know, and in exchange, he might have influenced EOH, you know, to um, you know to get state contracts. That is corruption. So we need to deal with. the the, the funding of political parties, the funding of politicians themselves, because without that, um, if if we don't deal with that, then the corruption will be there. And lastly, we need to be very, very harsh when it comes to corruption. If we do not um, arrest people, rightfully so, not arrest because of political consideration, but there must be people that actually get to be charged. And after they are charged, they must be prosecuted They must be found guilty, and they must send a very strong message when it comes to sentencing. So, the manner in which the country is dealing with the corruption parties—that corruption is just a a matter of perception. Mm -hmm. If in the media um, they say, "Ah, you are corrupt, you are corrupt, you are corrupt," people just will believe so and so is corrupt. But why are we not focusing on getting the institutions to actually make that pronouncement that so and so is corrupt? So we need to have the justice system actually working so that corruption is not a matter of perception, corruption is not a matter of political talk, but corruption is a matter of if I think you're corrupt I must take whatever evidence that I have um, to the respective agencies, but there must be a message that is sent when it comes to the
1: sentencing of the ones who are corrupt. Okay. and How does he ATM um, hold its members accountable and maybe how will the ATM uh, as you kind of continue to grow hold your members accountable to make sure that they stay committed to servant leadership? Um,
0: for us as the ATM the issue of accountability is one of our values. We account um, you know I'm a, I'm a public representative, a member of parliament mm. but I account, you know there's no limit to the people I account to I go to a community meeting, Um, I remember in Rustenberg, um, sometime in May, I went to Rustenberg um, for another um, session, for another program, but there was a community meeting. When there was a community meeting, when those people in that meeting heard that there is a member of parliament outside, I was requested to go in and I was made to account. So for us, accountability is part and parcel of who we are. And we've got mechanisms within the organisation to drive for accountability. But most importantly, we encourage our public representatives to be accountable to the communities because we are servants of servants of the communities, we are servants um, of the people. That is why our accountability is not confined or constrained to us or within the organisation, but we also account to the respective communities.
1: And so I want to uh, move then on to the issues surrounding 2024. And one of the major issues um, is that the, it seems likely that the ANC will dip um, below a majority for the first time in democratic history in 2024. Um, and so we should probably talk about the problems of coalition governance. And so the first question I have for you about this is... Would the ATM be willing to join a coalition with the ANC on the national level?
0: We as the ATM would be willing to join or be part of a coalition arrangement with any party as long as it is principle based and it is based on providing service delivery and the transformation of our country and the economy for the benefit of the people. We do not want a coalition agreement that is based on how we as a party or they, as a party can benefit because the people will always come second best in such an arrangement. We want a people-centric coalition arrangement whereby there is a list of these are what we agree on. For example, we are agreeing on um, decolonizing the state of education, we are agreeing on land expropriation without compensation. We're agreeing on transforming the economy. We're agreeing on the state bank. We're agreeing on these particular elements, so that the the nature of the coalition is based on what the people want, not based on what we as the parties want.
1: And do you think? Um, sorry, n- let me rephrase this question. Has the ATM had experiences with coalitions on the local levels?
0: Even though we are not formally signatories to coalitions, Mm. but there are municipalities where we vote, um, either with the DA or the ANC. So we vote, you know, we've got that experience. But what we found as a major stumbling block, it is political parties who are having either the speaker position or mayor or chief whip they become arrogant and they undermine the other coalition partners or other parties who actually voted for them to be in power. So without addressing that arrogance, um, you know, the coalitions will not work. And the mm. second issue, it is parties that go into coalition with saying we want speaker, we want mayor, we want NMC for this and that, we want chairpersons of committees, but they speak less about the issues that will benefit the people. So for us, the people come first. So any arrangement that we have must be for the major, must be for the main
1: benefiting of the people. And um, (coughs) so then I have a a question. You had uh, some trouble um, with the IEC when you were first trying to register the party. Uh, And do you believe um, in the impartiality for the 2024 elections? Do you think that the 2024 elections we can be pretty assured will be whatever happens is what happens?
0: I would say the issue of impartiality, especially with the IEC and some institutions, including the judiciary, for that matter, mm. um, is a it's a question that is sometimes theoretical, but practically so, people have got their preferences, mm. and they're most more they're most likely to to utilize their positions in order to entrench whatever preferences that they have. The issue with the IEC is that majority of the presiding officers are linked to um, the trade union, a trade union that is openly in support of the ANC in government. Mm. We've got experience whereby votes have been lost and, and there's been some corruption in that voting element. And you know, a lot of people, they do not like talking about the corruption um, or the misgivings of our electoral system, particularly in ensuring that there's integrity. Mm-hmm. But my view is there's is no way in which the executive or public representatives can be corrupt, either as ministers, mayors, presidents, etc. But the system to elect them to be in office, there's no corruption there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not sure if you're getting me. So yeah. most of the time, people want to talk about corruption here. Whereas they do not want to talk about how does a person get to be elected to be a mayor? How does a person get to be elected to be a president? Is, there, um, is, is the system so foolproof that there could be no corruption? They have argued that firstly, the presiding officers need to be officers of the court. Because if you get a teacher to be a presiding officer in a voting station, when something goes wrong, a crime has been committed by that presiding officer, can you know the best we can do is for him to forfeit whatever is going to get paid and in the next elections is not going to be um, appointed but with an office of the law a lawyer or an, an advocate that person takes the integrity serious to an extent whereby if any corruption were to take place in that particular aspect it would make him to actually lose his license or and the certificate to trade as a lawyer you know so the the IEC system also the issue of and um, digital voting why are we not having digital voting in this day and age and um, look at the issue of the zip-zip scanners. you go there they say the zip scanner is not working therefore you can vote here and if you are able to remove the mark on your finger go to another voting station to vote there's a person who voted more than 20 times you know so and that is one incident that was made known. But how much other incidents are, are not known, but it would have made a significant influence
1: in the, in the outcome of the elections? That's a, a very important point, and I think it's probably driven home to you by the fact of the difficulty that you found when first trying to become a political party with all the good intentions that you did have. Um, and so my last two questions, the um, uh, first one is what do you see as the future of the opposition in South Africa? The opposition, like, um,
0: it has uh, displayed uh, maturity in the recent times, particularly in the Palapala scandal, mm-hmm. is that oppositions need to work more than being disjointed. Mm-hmm. The ruling party gets away with a lot of things the opposition is not speaking to each other it is not having joint strategies of holding the executive accountable mm-hmm. um, the experience that we've got now when dealing with the Palapala Pala scandal clearly shows that there's maturing level in our democracy and opposition is working much more closer than what it did before
1: and then to end our discussion um, to kind of summarize what we've talked about all today Why should South Africans vote for the African transformation movement? Firstly, it is a party that has not
0: been formed as a breakaway to one or two parties. It is a party that was genuinely or is genuinely formed by ordinary citizens with the sole intention of providing solutions to the country. The second reason is that we are not a party that is in the pockets of the wealthy and powerful, the people who want to retain the status quo, we are funded by the poor, the poorest of the poor in our country, the people who want to have tangible and, and changes in our country. So with that, we are not, we are not um, in the pockets. We are not controlled by the wealthy and powerful. We are actually servants of the poor and the marginalized in our country. And lastly, they must vote for ATM because in all our work in the political space, We are always offering solutions and we are always open to debate. We are always open for our views to be debated because we believe that the more we are debating our issues, the more other people can get to learn and the more even us we can get to learn from the perspective of other people. We've got solutions to deal with the economy, the unemployment, the lawlessness, the justice system. We've got
1: solutions. That is what the ATM is all about, providing solutions. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Mr. Zungula. You are the youngest uh, member, uh, party leader in Parliament, and I can see that you have all of the energy of youth and are trying to bring it to make some good changes in the country. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. I think-